And we're still live from the nation's capital. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey app nationwide on the BetQL network. Hey, Ryan, remember that time that you had probably an easy over in the Dodgers-Guardians game and then it got rain delayed? forever and ever yeah and so all yes. i'm looking at is like the uh weather report here we're looking at the radar it doesn't look good yet i'm on social media where nobody's ever lied and everybody always tells the truth <laughs> and everybody's bitching and complaining um at this uh joe noga joe no- he's a sports reporter for uh cleveland.com I'm sure okay. he does a tremendous job uh i'm not a big guardians guy but everybody's just complaining saying here, here's a couple of the comments really quick uh, Tyler says, been under delay for 25 minutes now almost, and I felt two drops of rain. <laughs> I can't even see the rain. I'm here. It's not even drizzling. Finish the game. Yeah, so, oh, this guy, uh, Brain, says there is no rain. WTF. We got to finish this game. What? We need I, nine I mean, runs to be scored. We did see the radar. Scott showed us I the radar. I believe Twitter, not the radar. W- I, I believe social media. Why the forecast? <laughs> I believe. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. One I, dad joke every show. I don't believe science. I only believe social. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to do that joke. <laughs> you know, that, that one got. That one you know what? Win. That might ring true for a lot of people. That's for sure. Good God. Yeah. Uh, at this point, everybody's lying on Twitter because we get duped by fake accounts all the time because anybody can have a blue check mark. Mm-hmm. And it's just the worst thing ever. All right. Sparky Pfeiffer jumps on with us, host of the Green and Growing podcast for the Bucks, but of course, co-host with Ryan Horvat, Curd and Long podcast for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, oh, yeah. I can imagine that uh, Ryan has said on a regular basis how much he loves Jordan Love and how great he's going to be this year. Now, the fact that he has that expectation is one thing, but where are you on Jordan Love after what you've seen in the preseason? I'm pretty happy with Jordan Love. I'm not mad at all. I said coming into the season, I thought the basement for wins would probably be about seven wins. Um, and the ceiling would probably be nine or ten wins. And I think I'm still right where I was prior. I don't think I've raised my expectations uh, necessarily, only because you're bound to have some mistakes from these young players running the wrong routes, missing blocking assignments, um, doing dumb young player things in the National Football League in the first couple of years. So that's probably going to cost him. Uh, Jordan Love's going to make mistakes too, right? I mean, Ryan and I have talked about this on Curtin Long, where he's probably going to be more like Brett Favre than he is Aaron Rodgers from the aspect of taking chances. Now, you don't want to read into uh, anything on practice, but he threw one ball in a triple coverage yesterday. Um, so he's going to test his arm and see if he can get fit, fit a ball in certain areas. Now, thankfully, he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions in practice so far this year or really enjoying practices. He had one not-so-great day, uh, day two last week against the Patriots when nobody on the Packers had a good day. Um, but outside of that, he's played fairly well all the way through, including uh, in his preseason games. To, to me, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Joe Barry's defense, the Packers' defensive coordinator, who most fans wanted fired uh, during the season last year, at the end of last year, and somehow or another, he still has a job. That is where it's all going to come down to. If that defense can play up to that, what, eight number one picks or whatever it is on that side of the ball, and this Packers team is going to compete for the NFC North. If they look horrible like they did last year, then they're probably going to win seven or eight games. Who do you think ends up, I mean, we talk a lot about the offensive side of the ball, Jordan Love, obviously, and fantasy football owners and people that play player props obviously know Christian Watson because of what he did the second half of the season. But do you think he's the go-to guy, the number one wide receiver, or is it somebody maybe like Romeo Dobbs, who you look at his pro football focus grade for the preseason, one of the best. Uh, you have a guy like Torre. You have J- uh, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, who I know he's a rookie but was really solid last year. Who do you think ends up being that go-to guy for a young quarterback in Jordan Love? It's interesting because Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs have been working out with the same offseason coach 
back to their college days and, and since Jordan Love uh, has gotten out of college. Same guy. Uh, so they've known each other for a while. And then by happenstance, uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs gets drafted to the team where Jordan Love is. So that relationship and, and chemistry had been building prior to this all going down. Uh, you saw that a lot last year in preseason and training camp. Uh, and then, you know, you get into the regular season, and now Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. That didn't go so well for Romeo Dobbs. Uh, but you can see already this year that there is definitely more of a connection between Dobbs and Love probably than Christian Watson. And Romeo Dobbs is probably going to run more routes uh, on the route tree than maybe Christian Watson, who's more of that deep threat, where Dobbs is going to run over the middle and do a lot of different stuff and kind of be that security blanket, I'm guessing, as time goes on for Jordan Love, that guy that he trusts, kind of like that Randall Cobb or that Aaron Rodgers trust uh, in Green Bay and now will be in New York with the Jets. I, I think that's how it's going to play out. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dobbs led them in receptions, mm. but Watson may lead them in yards. What about the run game for them? I mean, is this going to be more of a balanced attack? Are they going to maybe try to run the ball a lot more early and let Jordan Love get comfortable? I mean, we saw plenty of that with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon last year. Yeah, I think a lot of people are assuming going into this thing that you're going to see a lot of two tight ends. Remember, they drafted two tight ends this year. Everybody loves Luke Musgrave, the kid out of Oregon State. Yeah. Um, super fast guy. They ran an end around with him in practice this, <laughs> in training camp already. <laughs> um, and for a tight end, that doesn't happen. So, yeah, you're probably going to see uh, some running here. Aaron Jones, obviously a dynamic player that uh, essentially took a pay cut to stay another year. Based on the running back market, that looks like a smart move. Uh, A.J. Dillon in the last year of his deal, so he's going to want to prove something. Uh, he showed something in this last exhibition game, kind of bulldoze and over guys like you expect him to do. Uh, and now it's just going to be how much do they trust him to throw the football. I, I told Ryan, I, I just, I'm not as convinced as everybody else is and I was, too, in the offseason. But after watching everything, I think this offense is going to look a lot more like what it did with Aaron Rodgers than everybody thinking it's going to look like what it did with the Titans uh, and Derrick Henry back when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there. I think that's what everybody thought this was going to be. But I think Jordan Love is a lot better than people thought. And they're, I think they're going to allow him to, to throw that football like they let Rodgers throw that football. You know, I already know the answer to this, but I'll play dumb, and I'm going to ask you this question really quick, Sparky. The defensive side of the ball, you brought it up. Um, bit of a disappointment last year, huge disappointment. We thought they had the potential to be top 10, maybe top 5. They really struggled against the run. They still can't cover simple crossing routes or any tight end in the league. And you have eight, nine first-round picks on that side of the ball. Do you feel like there should be more pressure, not only on Joe Barry this season, but let's say, you know, and I know the Packers don't really have an owner, but do you think there should maybe be more pressure on the general manager, Brian Gutekinds? Not so much because you pushed away Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love, who you draft in the first round, but because of all those picks on the uh, defensive side of the ball, if they still aren't a top 15 defense in this league. Do you think maybe he should take more um, of the blame for that? Right. Let's clarify something. Yeah. If, again, if, if Jordan Love ends up being a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, Brian Gutekunst is going to be there as long as Brian Gutekunst wants to be there, regardless of what happens with the rest of the football team. There's no question in my mind. Kind of like Ted got that pass with Aaron Rodgers. The same will happen with Goody. As far as Joe Barry goes, and like you said, you know my answer, but for me, once you get to your bye week, which I think is what, week six or so uh, for the Green Bay Packers, if that defense looks horrible and you're you know three and three or whatever it is uh, going into that bye week, and Leslie Frazier is sitting out there right now. Yeah, I, I'd have a, I'd, you'd have a hard time convincing me not to make a move at that point. 
or promoting somebody from within that staff. Yeah. A Mike Smith or somebody, one of the assistant coaches, uh, to take over uh, as coordinator. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Matt LaFleur is about as loyal as they get, and Joe Barry was his hire. Uh, and he got rid of Pettin, Mike Pettin, in order to go to Joe Barry, who was, what, the linebacker's coach or whatever uh, at that point uh, out in L.A. So, for me, I think he survives all year because of Matt LaFleur. But if it was me, he has to the bye week. And if, if this defense sucks like it did last year, then we're moving on. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you because, I mean, for years, you know, with Ted Thompson, when he was in charge, people would call for the head of Dom Capers, and he probably – should have lost his job, you know, many years before he did, but the Packers were loyal. Mike McCarthy was loyal. But I don't know, man, because Goot seems a little bit more cutthroat, right? Like, I didn't expect Mike McCarthy to be fired during the season, and he was, and they brought in Joe. I mean, they had Joe Philbin just as the interim head coach step over from OC. So you don't think there's any chance maybe if it starts off but, sloppy that they do move on during the season from Joe Barry? But Brian Gutenkunst did not hire Mike McCarthy. Nah, that was not his hire. He did true. not make that hire. Now we're talking about somebody that he's was overseeing when they made the decision. Even if Matt LaFleur was the one that made the hire, he's not going to force, I don't think, Matt LaFleur to make a change, a defensive coordinator, that early in the season, or probably at all for that matter, uh, until the off season. Look at what they're doing with the kicker position. You and I have talked about this to death. They have a rookie kicker, Anders Carlson, who is their kicker. He's been horrible to this point whether it be a training camp practice, missing field goal kicks. I think he actually made them all today for the first time, maybe the whole camp. But missing field goal kicks in, in practice, missing field goal kicks and extra points and exhibition games and joint practices, horrible. And he's a draft pick, fifth-round draft pick. And he's the only one that does not have competition. Why? Because, well, Rich Passaccia coached his brother with the Raiders and wants to make sure that he's on this team and is the field goal kicker and they're claiming patience and so forth. The fact that you don't have competition for him and the fact that you don't have a veteran kicker tells me that coming into this season, and maybe not as much now, but they did before, probably weren't thinking they were going to win a lot of games this year and that this was going to kind of be that transition year. What would be horrible from a Packer fan perspective is you have a chance to win nine or ten games and your field goal kicker costs you two or three (laughs) and you end up missing the playoffs because of your rookie kicker. That would drive everybody crazy. Talking to Sparky Five for BetMGM tonight. All right, so Detroit's the favorite to win the NFC North at plus 135. Then it's Minnesota plus 260. Green Bay in there plus 375. Chicago plus 450. So there's people all over the place in this division. I mean, some people love the Packers. Then there's Detroit and the Detroit bandwagon. It's Chicago's going to make this jump. Then there's, oh, we forget about Minnesota because their defense was terrible. Although, wait, their defense was terrible last year. They won 13 games. This has been one of the toughest divisions for me to just – get a grasp on in what direction it's going to go. How do you see this all shaping up when the season is done? I think it's Lions uh, in first. I think I would go with that philosophy. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got the most talent. I love adding Jameer Gibbs to that offense. That really kind of changes things oh, yeah. up and really helps out Jared Goff. Uh, so I, I like the Lions. Uh, and then after that, I think you can coin flip it, who's in second place. I could see the Packers being in second if this Packers defense is improved. Uh, it could be the Bears in second if Justin Fields plays as well as Ryan Horvath thinks he can play. Uh, uh, and it could be the Vikings, I guess, if the other two teams somehow something happened to them. I, I'm just I'm not buying the Vikings. Without Delvin Cook, uh, they don't have much running back depth. They have Madison and then what? A bunch of question marks at this point. Now, did they get into the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes? Did they figure out a way to get Jonathan Taylor? I, I have no idea. That would make sense uh, if they're playing to win right now. 
Uh, the Vikings, Trey Lance, do they get into that sweepstakes knowing that Kirk Cousins is a free agent at the end of this year? W- would that make sense for them? Uh, but right now, you know, they're probably the safe play. They'll probably win nine or ten games at this point. But there's not upside with the Vikings. Where you can see upside with the Bears, the Packers, and the Lions, and the Vikings are kind of running in mud, it feels like right now. Uh, so we host Kurt and Long, obviously a Packers podcast, but Sparky also, an Indianapolis Colts fan, has this crazy take that Peyton Manning's a choke artist, but we'll save that <laughs> for is. another day. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, where is Jonathan Taylor playing football week one? Indianapolis, Miami, elsewhere? What do you, see, what do you think happens there? I'd love to tell you I trust the owner of the Colts, but I don't, because first <laughs> they said they weren't trading him no matter now or October, and now he's you know can feel free to go find a trade. I think at the end of the day, if I'm the Colts, I look at it as you're not going to win. From a talent perspective, you just don't have enough. You don't have enough talented wide receivers. Uh, The tight end position, you might have some talent there, but you really haven't seen it enough to this point. Nobody's really broken through uh, to this point. Running back outside of Jonathan Taylor, there's not a ton there either. Offensive line was a disaster last year. Uh, Defense has question marks. So why not trade Jonathan Taylor and get some picks and – See what you can make out of the picks kind of going forward uh, and continue to rebuild this thing. If he doesn't want to be there or if he wants $16 million a year, which is complete lunacy. I'm a Badger fan. I love Jonathan Taylor playing for the Wisconsin Badgers. Like, one of my favorite players. And he does uh, stuff on TV commercial-wise still uh, in the Wisconsin area for different products. But there is no way that I'm paying that dude $16 million if I'm the Indianapolis Colts with the state of that organization. So you have to figure out, okay, let's see if we can get some type of bidding war here. Get a couple of teams involved that kind of bid against each other and go from there. The thing that is going to screw this whole thing up is if Taylor doesn't come off his $16 million asking price. If that stays, I don't know if any team is going to be willing to give up anything to pay him $16 million. I just I think that's going to be a huge sticking point. Now, if he's willing to play it out and then head into free agency, so play one year somewhere else and then head into free agency and see what happens, then I think you can probably get something. Probably not a one. Maybe you can get a second-round pick for Jonathan Taylor uh, at the end of the day. Uh, so I, I think they don't want him in that locker room. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, you probably end up seeing Jonathan Taylor get traded for less uh, than what they're asking for. Sparky Pfeiffer, Curd and Long podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, wherever you get your podcast, along with this guy, Ryan Horvath. He's he's on it, too. So, Oh, yeah. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the ringing endorsement. <laughs> I've been promoting your Saturday show all, like, week. Thanks, Sparky. Talk soon. Jeez. Like in 24 guys, hours. See you, guys. <laughs> see you, Sparky. Yeah. Uh, hey, Packers, money line, minus 160. Not a big money line guy, but they're winning that preseason game. Jordan, where is the love? There, is that going to be his nickname this year? I feel like we could evolve it into like a lot of different things. Free love? Free? I like free love. <laughs> Loved it in the 80s. There you go. That's for sure. I wasn't around in the 70s. I was only around for like four years in the 80s. At MGM tonight. Knocking boots, though. <laughs> Williams' ticket to win the Heisman, your USC ticket to win the national championship is going to look great. They're going to be 6-0. and They're going to be putting up 50 points a game. You're going to be loving life. But then comes week seven, and then comes the second half of the season. Folks, I don't know if there is a tougher second half to a schedule that we have in college football than what USC has. Look at all these games that USC has starting October 14th. At Notre Dame, then you have to play Utah, who you lost to twice last year. Then we get the ultimate Pac-12 after dark 
trap game, sandwich game, call it whatever you want. That is the special right there when USC has to go to Berkeley and play Cal. Then you have to play Michael Penix in Washington. Then you play Bo Nix in Oregon. And then, of course, you get the L.A. rivalry against UCLA. What a brutal schedule for USC. And that is why I am fading the Trojans this year to win the Pac-12 because quite simply, folks, their schedule is way too backloaded. There's no room for error. We know in college football, if you're a Power 5 team, if you're a team that starts out with the high ranking, if you lose a game early on in the season, right, other teams are going to lose. There are going to be other upsets. You can afford to make it up if you continue to win the rest of the way. USC has no room for error. If they lose to Notre Dame October 14th, I don't know if there's going to be enough room for them to make it up. If they lose that game to Utah, Washington, there's just not enough weeks left in their schedule. Now, because the end of their schedule is so tough, say they lose one regular season game and then they go on to win the Pac-12, then I do think they have a 